Hi, this is Adam, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. We're so glad to have you joining us uh, through our podcast. Today is Palm Sunday, and the sermon comes from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 24. A scandalous king. Let us follow Jesus to the cross. The word of our Lord from the prophet Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double, for I have bent Judah as my bow. I have made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them, and His arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet, and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the sling stones, and they shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine, and be full as like a bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. And on that day the Lord God will save them as the flock of His people, for like the jewels of a crown they shall shine on His land. For how great is His goodness and how great His beauty. Grain shall make the young men flourish and new wine the young women. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to John's Gospel. Chapter 12. In John chapter 12, we'll be reading verses 12 through 24. The Gospel... Of Christ. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, You're gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, 
it bears much fruit. Father, we thank You for Your Holy Word. Teach us. Move us. Call us. And by Your Holy Spirit, enable us to follow where You lead as we hear Your voice calling, Come. Come to the cross. In Your name we pray, O Jesus. Amen. Here is our King. Our King comes humbly. He comes lowly, meekly. He comes, if we're honest, unbecomingly. Because when He comes, He comes as a scandalous King. He is the stone of stumbling. The stone that the builders looked at and rejected because He was a reproach. We didn't like that this King came and we surely didn't like how He came. You know, in high pressure situations, you can always count on something. You can always count on bickering. When the pressure gets really hot and heavy, when tensions rise and things start to get serious and sobering, you can count on there being disagreements and frustrations. You can count on bickering. Trouble had been building throughout Jesus' ministry. But it finally reached a breaking point. It finally reached a point of no return. A point at which no one, not Jesus, not His disciples, not the Pharisees, not the crowds, no one could or would turn back. The die had been cast. The first domino had been tipped over and suddenly things were falling apart, it seemed. Suddenly things We're crumbling. This building, this relationship where we can at least deal with Jesus got to the point where suddenly they recognized we must deal with Him or else. Just weeks before Passover, Jesus had heard word that His friend Lazarus was dead had been dead. And by the time Jesus gets to the tomb where where Lazarus had been laid, he had been dead for four days. The text tells us he was literally stinking dead. His body had already begun to decay and produce a smell. And what Jesus says after he weeps at the tomb of his dear friend is simple. Dead man come walking out. Those were shouting grounds. Bill, it, I was reminded that when I was in Sunday school and I learned about Lazarus's being raised from the dead by Jesus, I don't remember there being all that much excitement in the room. We had the flannel graph. 
We had the little images thrown up on the flannel graph. And I remember kind of nodding and maybe a little bit of a, oh, wow. But I don't remember there being the excitement of a dead man who's come back to life. Much less a dead man who's come back to life after he's been in a tomb for four days. And at the word of another man. Simply come out, Lazarus. Those were shouting grounds. Those were shouting grounds for those who gathered together and are now singing Jesus' praises. Unbelievable. Even the dead respond to Him. But those were shouting grounds as well for those who were filled with rage at what was happening. At what was happening before their very eyes. The text tells us that some of the crowd believes in Jesus and is astonished and they praise Him and they follow Him and others of the crowd run to the Pharisees. You're not going to believe what just happened. You're not going to believe what we just saw Him do. Your troublemaker, Jesus, He just brought a man back to life. You can hear the Pharisees. That's not possible. That doesn't happen. Dead people are dead. They don't come back to life. No, no, no. We saw it with our very own eyes. And this man was long dead. He had been dead for four days. We'd been there with his sisters, Mary and Martha, grieving with them, weeping with them. And in walks Jesus. And He wants to see the dead man. And He talks to him. And He says, come out of the tomb. And here comes Lazarus, a man who we know for a fact has been dead, coming out of the tomb. After Jesus told him, roll away the stone, here He comes. And He's wearing His dead man's clothes. He's wearing those grave clothes. We've just seen it. The Pharisees are beside themselves, bickering among themselves. You can just hear them. What in the world are we letting happen? Everything that works as it ought to work, everything that provides stability as it ought to provide, everything that keeps us safe and keeps us in power, Everything that we've got going for us is crumbling because of this one man, Jesus. And we're letting him get away with it. Caiaphas, the high priest that year, the text tells us he's, he is not speaking of his own authority, but God gave him this word because he was the high priest. God always honors his commitments. Even the commitments he makes to an evil man. God through His Spirit, speaks through Caiaphas. Are we going to let this one man tear apart all that we've got together? Better one man die for the whole nation than all the nation and all the peoples die because of this one man. Caiaphas had no clue what he was saying. We'll lose everything. The Romans will hear about what Jesus is doing. And they'll come in and they'll take our land. They'll take our temple. They'll take everything that we've got going for us away from us if we let this one man have his way. Fine. Let's kill him. The stone. 
is rejected by the builders. They want nothing to do with him. And a short while later, there's a party back at Bethany where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. There's a party, a celebration. Jesus is the honored guest, the one who brought Lazarus back from the dead. Martha's up serving, as was typical of her. Lazarus is sitting at table, reclining with Jesus, enjoying the meal. And in walks Mary, carrying a jar that contained 16 ounces of some of the most expensive perfume money can buy. Pure oil of spikenard. And she pours those 16 ounces on Jesus' feet and begins wiping the dirt and the filth off of His feet with her hair. The smell. is overwhelming. This act of love and service is overwhelming. And the tension in the room that has been building is overwhelming. There's bickering now amongst the disciples. Judas says, what a waste! This is ridiculous. Think of the poor. This is thousands of dollars worth of perfume and she just poured it out on the ground. It's being absorbed into the earth right now. This house is going to smell like this for probably 20 years. What a waste. Jesus rebukes Judas. The poor you'll have with you always. But me, you'll not always have. He tells, he tells them, leave her alone. She's kept this for my burial. Notice, he tells them, you'll not have me with you always. And this is for my burial. And no one mutters the question that they should have all been thinking. What? Your burial? You remember Peter, just a few weeks ago, had said, you'll never die on my watch. That's not happening. And now it's just days before Peter says, Jesus, you'll never wash my feet. Not on my watch. I won't let it happen. (laughs) Overwhelming crowds have been amassing and pouring into Jerusalem for the upcoming feast, Passover. The greatest of Israel's feast is taking place. And so even Greek-speaking people from all throughout the Roman world, they're gathering together at this holy place, holy Zion, Jerusalem. And they're talking about the hot topic of the day. You think Jesus will show up? My goodness, He's got these Pharisees in an uproar. Did you hear what He did last? Just a few weeks ago, He raised Lazarus, a dead man. Really? That didn't happen. No, he was dead for four days. Of course it happened. I know someone who was there. Word continues to spread. And so the Pharisees decide, you know what? Fine, we'll kill Lazarus too. We got to get rid of him as well. The next day, John tells us, the day after Jesus' anointing, 
Five days before the Passover, a Sunday, Jesus climbs up on a donkey and the crowds literally begin to tear limbs out of the trees and throw them down on the ground, making a pathway for their new found son of David, the King of Israel, the King who had come to save them. Hosanna, they cry out, save us! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And with the masses of men, we cry out in our hearts, Hosanna! Save us! The question is, save us from what? And if we're honest with ourselves, the answer to that question the question of from what do we want Jesus to save us is often, in fact, most likely, the same answer that the crowds and even Judas would have said. Save us from them. Save us from those people. Save us from the Romans. Save us from the government. Save us from those outside forces that are putting us in spots that we don't like. Save us from our enemies out there. Save us from that. From the power that's out there. From that rule that's over us. From our oppressor. And little do we know why Jesus came. And from what He came to save us. What deliverance He came to offer. And when we find out, if we're not careful, we find ourselves like Judas, saying, it's not worth it. That's not what I came for. Save us from it? From sin? Are you kidding me? Forgive me of my sins and trespasses? Cleanse me of my sin and my iniquity? What about the Romans? What about those guys? What about that out there? This? Save me from self? That's not what we came here for. If that's what Jesus is selling, that wasn't what some of the people were buying. They didn't, they didn't approach Jesus for that. The heart of sin is self. As the pressure continues to build, more and more people stumble over this stone of stumbling, this scandalous king who's come. And finally, a seed of disappointment and frustration in the heart of Judas has grown into the plant of bitterness and bears the fruit of betrayal. And another domino falls over. Another die is cast. Beware what you let into your heart. 
Beware what lies under the surface of your soul. And beware what you let foster in your mind. Jesus says quite simply, quite soberingly, quite off-puttingly, unless a grain of wheat falls down to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears fruit. What? No, 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 no. That can't be. That, that can't be the king that we've been following. That'd be a loss. What a waste. Why would he do that to himself? Why would he dare ask that of me? It's too high of a price. The cost to redeem a soul is the incarnate life of the eternal Son. That is the cost of redemption. For there to be life again in the heart of man, the one who is in the Father's heart must give his life. What will a man give in exchange for his own self, Jesus asked. If you had the whole world and lost your very own soul, what does it matter? Bonhoeffer said, when Jesus calls a man, He bids him come and die. Many folks don't like that this King has come. They're put off by Him. They mock Him. They resist Him and reject Him. They want nothing to do with Him. But nobody likes how He came. If we're honest with ourselves, we know there's something about the cross of Jesus that turns us away. That makes us say, are you serious? The Lord of all glory had to die for me? And He calls me to take up my cross as well? There's something deep down within our humanity that pauses at that, that bucks at that, that hesitates at that. It seems beneath Him. And truly, it is beneath Him. But self-giving love always stoops. It always stoops to serve. Self-giving love always stoops. It always stoops to save. There's only salvation available to us in that. In that stooping and humbling surrender of self that Jesus offers to us. If you aren't heading to a cross, I hate to be the one to tell you, but if you aren't heading to a cross, you aren't following Jesus. We said at the outset of Lent, don't miss Jesus. If you miss Him, you miss everything. And when it all comes to a head, it all comes together to a point. And that point 
is the intersection of a cross. Humanity reaches its lowest on Good Friday. And the good news is that God reached even lower. And He pulls us up with His Son. If you aren't heading to a cross, you aren't following Jesus. Beware the words that come out of your mouth this Holy Week. My prayer for you is that your prayer will be a simple, single Hebrew word. Hosanna. Save me. But if that's your prayer, know full well what the cost of your salvation is. And know also full well what the implications of your salvation are. Because when Jesus calls us to Himself, He takes us to the cross. He takes us to die to ourselves. To give up control of our own lives. To give up control of our own destiny. To give up control of our own tomorrows, our own future. To give up control of all those things in life that we like to have put together. Those things that provide safety for us. He calls us to relinquish them all to Him. And to live for His sake, and in doing so, live for the sake of others. Lord Jesus, would You save us from ourselves? Would You save us from our sin? Would You deliver us completely? As we sing a final song, I'm going to invite the kids to get involved. We have some palm branches up here. It is Palm Sunday after all. And as we're singing, I'm going to invite the kids to come and to get these palm branches, not for them to wave, but I want the palm branches to be dispersed throughout our church. And if the cry of your heart is, save me, Jesus, save me completely, then I want you to wave your branch and let's sing with all that we have within us. Hosanna. Save us, Lord. And at the close of that song, I want to invite you, if you've got a branch in your hand, I want to invite you to come and place your branch down here on the ground at the foot of the cross. Saying and surrendering, Lord, I give You my everything. Would You save me? And then we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, Maker and Redeemer of all things, Giver and Ground of all that is good, of all that is true and all that is beautiful, we desperately need You. You are the One for whom our souls long. For You made us to know You and to love You. You made us to be known by You and to be loved by You. You know everything about us and still You love us personally. And still You love us passionately. And still You love us 
perfectly. We love you because you first loved us and gave your only begotten Son to redeem us from all sin. Your love is faithful and your love is holy. You've shown us what love is in your incarnate, crucified, and risen Son, Jesus. You've shown us how to love. You've called us to love You with all of who we are, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. You've called us to love our neighbors as ourselves, even our enemies, and especially one another. Please help us to love one another. Please help us by our love to be known to be true disciples of Jesus. We thank You, Christ, for giving Your life for us to destroy our death. We thank You for sharing Your righteousness with us to cleanse us from our sin. We thank You, Holy Spirit, for giving us new life in Jesus, for making us beloved children of the Father. We thank You for filling us with the radiance of Your perfect love. O eternal and triune God, You are faithful and always good. You are compassionate and full of mercy. You are righteous in all that You do. You are holy. And we love You. Lord, You know every need that we have. You know every reason for which we give thanks this morning. We thank You for touching David and helping his need to heal up. We thank You that He's doing so much better. We thank You for our small groups and all that You're doing in the life of our church and how You're growing us and growing us closer to You and growing us closer together and sending us out. Sending us to the children of Devereux. Sending us out to the elderly who are shut up in their homes. Sending us out to love as You love. We celebrate with David and Christy as they celebrate with Blair and Masato at Kinto's baptism. We thank you for this precious and holy opportunity that Masato had to baptize his first person, that first person being his little boy. Lord, we thank you that you are always faithful and always good. Lord, we bring to you every burden that we bear and we cast them at your feet. And we thank you that you care for us. Lord, help us to trust You in all these situations. We lift up Ronald Kendrick to You. Pray that You would touch him. And we thank You for getting him into rehab. And we pray that You would help him. That You would strengthen him. That You would deliver his body from this disease that's been, been plaguing him. Lord, we lift up the kids that we serve at Devereaux and we pray that You would help them to see Your grace and Your mercy, Your peace and Your love in the grace and mercy and peace and love that we bring to them and others that serve and, and love them, bring to them. Lord, we lift up Jeremy and we pray that You would watch over him as he travels this weekend on business. Help him and watch over him, bring him back in the coming days. We lift up the Malones and pray that You would touch them as so many of them are sick. Again, we pray that You would be with them and that You would heal them and get them well quickly. We lift up Heather's grandfather and pray that you would touch him and give him strength as he continues to, to finish up his rounds of chemo. Be with him. We lift up our sister church in Vicksburg, Mississippi, Elevate Church. We thank you for watching over them and keeping them safe. 
Lord, as they've lost so much of their building to this, these tornadoes, we pray that you would help them, that you would help them to rebuild, help them to be encouraged, help them to put their trust in you. Lord, would you move through that congregation on this day that they have to meet in such unordinary of circumstances. Lord, be with our association as we look ahead to plant churches and raise up a vision and and passion for church planting. Lord, we need You. Each and every last one of us in this room need You. Our families need You. Lord, we pray that You would help us to trust You completely and help us to follow You faithfully as You lead us to the cross of Jesus. Almighty and ever-living God, in Your tender love for the human race, You sent Your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon Himself our nature, to suffer death upon the cross in great humility. In Your mercy, please, help us to walk in the way of His suffering and also share in His resurrection through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with You and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. May we go in the blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.